1029 The Hog presents another Bob and Brian podcast. This Bob and Brian On Demand is brought to you by Marcus Theaters. There's a big difference between watching a movie and getting lost in one. Find out what Marcus Theaters means by getting tickets to a hot new release at MarcusTheaters.com. Time to talk music news with our music expert and fan of a winning football team this year, 9-7. and seven. Gary Graff. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Good morning. How are you? You know. <laughs> it's still too soon, right? I'm over the hangover. I I, I, I look I, back. I don't think about it much, but when I do, I'm irritated. You know. Yeah. Here's, well, that's here's, certainly understandable. Here's the thing. I watched, I watched a documentary this week on uh, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker. Remember Kai? Uh-huh. Smash, 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 and everybody who was in on this documentary said we should have known from the beginning. A lot of people said, I knew from the beginning, this guy was dangerous. He was mentally unstable. It was obvious to see. And we overlooked it because, you know, for whatever reason, they're trying to cash in was why they overlooked it. Right. Right. So I did with the Packers. They were not a solid football team. The wins they got early on in the year, they squeaked out against weak teams. Then they went on the five game losing streak. And I was, kind of beside myself, like, really, are we this bad? And then they get on a four-game winning streak, and I forgot about the all the shortcomings. I just let it go. I overlooked it like they overlooked all Kai's problems. And then we get to the game that mattered at the end of the year. In front of the world, I went, oh, yeah, that's right. We're not very good. I forgot that part. Yeah. So um, no, I'm kind of over the hangover. But congratulations to you and your Detroit Lions, or do you, you say go. Detroit? We could say it either way. Okay. And we'll answer. Yeah. I would say you are a team on the rise at the moment. It's, it's, it sure feels like it. I mean, there is that sense of cautious optimism because we've been burned so many times in the past. But there's, there's, a, there's more of a sense this year that, okay, this is, this is the real deal and that we're going to come out, come out snorting a little fire next year. Which is exactly when your team falls on its face, when you believe and you expect fire and snorting and all that. <laughs> so. well, and, and we're braced for that. You know, many years, many years of practice teach you. You know, I didn't even look at the playoff schedule. I, I just kind of dropped the NFL. Honestly, uh, you'll you'll get yeah. back into it. You know, it'll come this weekend, and it'll you know it'll seep back in. It will be, but it's not going to be like I got to be in front of the TV to see these games. It's going to be like, yeah, I'll keep, I'll have them on, and I'll do other things. You know what I mean? I was going to say it's not like you got to mow the lawn or anything. Right. So. True. And since it's never going to snow here this winter again, <laughs> we've only had like seven say, inches of say snow. That now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> until we get twenty inches one day. All right, on to music news. Your your new discipline. Uh, Jeff Beck, that kind of came yeah, out of nowhere. Well, this was a tough week, actually, a tough few days. So Jeff Beck uh, passing away on the 10th at the age of 78. He, according to his family, he suddenly contract, contracted a case of bacteri- bacterial meningitis that apparently went pretty quick. He, you know, he, by all reports, he passed away peacefully with Johnny Depp at his side and apparently some other musicians. Uh, we're seeing reporting now that there were, you know, people knew what was going on and that there were a number of musicians who were with him when he passed away. But, you know, Jeff Beck, this is a this is a passing of, like, David Bowie proportions, you know, back in 2016. This guy was, without question, one of the best musicians on the planet, living or dead, any genre, any discipline. 
I mean, just a creative, incredible taste, uh, hopped between, you know, different styles and genres. It's really hard to overstate his importance, which is why you're seeing an outpouring like we did when, you know, maybe just because they were both in January and the first ones of the year, but this has reminded me very much of when David Bowie passed also, at least suddenly and without any sense that it was coming. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of you know, lovely tributes, but very emotional tributes from other musicians and certainly from fans who this guy meant a lot to. Well, he worked with everybody. I mean, the guy oh. was, he was, he was, if, if, even if you're not a Jeff Beck fan, you've heard him. Oh, yeah, he did the guitar solo on Private Dancer for Tina Turner. That's one of them. I did I did an article, in fact, about his, I think I came up with 19 of the best guest performances he did, and that's just that's just scratching the surface. He, uh, he and Rod Stewart did People Get Ready, right? They did People Get Ready together. You know, Rod was part of the original Jeff Beck group before The Faces. Um, Jeff, Beck was, Jeff Beck didn't discover him, but he certainly gave Rod the the spotlight and the stage in that first Jeff Beck group that, that catapulted him to stardom. The first, the first Jeff Beck group group was the acknowledged model for Led Zeppelin. And, you know, that's where Jimmy Page got the idea of what Led Zeppelin could sound like. So he's had, you know, he's a member of the Yardbirds, obviously. He just had enormous influence and made an enormous amount of great music. I think we had a story yesterday that he, I don't know that this was a functioning guitar, but he built built his first guitar out of stuff from around the house. I'm not I'm not sure about that. As a story, I'd have to go. I never really heard about that. I mean, Brian May from Queen did that, of course, but I'm not sure if that that was Jeff Beck's first guitar or something he did later on. He was a he was a real gearhead. You know, he he refurbished you know vintage automobiles. He should have been on Top Gear then or something like that. You know, everybody tried to get him. He was not a media guy. I was lucky enough. I, I interviewed him a number of times over the years, but he did not do much. And he really wasn't much for the celebrity TV type of thing. So I think that's why you haven't seen him on some of those shows. But he had a great collection, more, more than just collecting, though. He just liked futzing with the, with the automobiles. What was his guitar of choice? I, he he started on a Gibson Les Paul and then and then moved to a Fender Stratocaster, which is kind of what Eric Clapton did too. And he's pretty good at playing guitar too. He's, he's all right. Yeah, Clapton, he does yep. okay. No word on, on yeah, how he picked this uh, meningitis up. Where he? No, nah, I haven't heard anything about that. You know, he had been actually he was on the road last you know this past year. He and Johnny Depp were out uh, touring on their album. And, Played, uh, his last show was November 12th in Reno, Nevada. And, uh, you know, from all accounts, was ready to get out and do some more. How old was he? Uh, 78. Okay. Right. And this was, you know, this was just one of a few. You know, yesterday, Lisa Marie Presley uh, passed away. She apparently uh, went into cardiac arrest during the afternoon and was rushed to the hospital and you know, passed away shortly after that. I mean, she and her mom, Priscilla, we're at the Golden Globes two days before. You know, we're the, we're the star from Elvis, Austin Butler. Did you see her red carpet interview? I did not. Where she pauses and says to the gentleman that she's with, I, I need to hold on to you for, for okay. a minute here. Um, so more of that, that a couple will, of times. Yeah, more of that will come out. Obviously, yesterday was dedicated to the spot coverage, you know, because everything went very quick. 
yesterday. You know, first we heard she was rushed to the hospital, and you know, then we heard she was getting care, and then she had passed. Um, uh, if I remember correctly, it's kind of how Elvis's death was too. It's like you heard Elvis was was down at the mansion. And uh, then it was like, wow, really? He died? Right. We didn't have it in quite the same social media real time like we had yesterday. You know, I do remember the news bulletins, uh, hearing about Elvis back in in 77. But, then, but you know, but you're right, very, you know, kind of similar in the way it went, only here it felt like we were getting play-by-play. Priscilla which, tweeted uh, pretty quickly that Lisa Marie had been taken to the hospital, and then, and then that was it. Right. Right. So, you know, Lisa Marie, you know, had her certainly had her attachment to music, not just her very famous father, but, you know, married to musicians, including Michael Jackson. She released three albums of her own, did a little bit of touring. You know, the music career didn't last long, but wasn't half bad. You Is know, she the her, mother to anyone? Uh, she has four children. Okay. So yeah. the... And two are twins with her most recent husband, and then, of course, uh, one of the sons, uh, Ben, uh, shot himself back in 2020, mm. tragically. So. so, yeah, that was sudden. And then, um, and then right after... stories that said it was, you know, people think Lisa Marie had an easy life. Not not so much. So I... No, I mean, listen, when you're dead, no matter how famous or rich you are, when you have things in your life, like your dad passing away when you're nine years old, in front of the whole world like he did... Yeah, that's gonna do. That's gonna do a trip on your head. I heard a clip from her. It was from years ago, where she was talking about it. it's. It's really frustrating to be in the same industry as my dad was in because every interview I do turns into talking about her dad. Oh yeah, instead and, of her stuff. And you know, really, what do you expect? I, I interviewed her a couple times, and you know, a lot of the conversation was, "Well, what do you expect here? You're you're the daughter of Elvis. You're not trying to hide that you're the daughter of Elvis, and you can't." You can't have it both ways. You can't be Elvis's daughter in the music industry and not talk about and not not expect to be asked about or address the fact of who you are. Now, there's a way, certainly a way to spin it, and there's certainly more interesting ways. I mean, you know, you can only ask so many times, what was it like to be Elvis's daughter? Well, she only had nine years, and her parents were divorced for a chunk of that. And how do you know, you know, if... How was it? Well, he was my dad. That's that's what well, he was. was it. You know, yeah. it wasn't so, like you know, she, she was doing drugs with him or anything that we know of. Well, that's yeah. But the, the more interesting thing to me was always so. Where does this? Where does he fit in terms of your now? You know, making your own music. What are you? What are you drawing from that's similar to, or are you avoiding drawing from? You know, him and the music that he made. Yeah, you know, that that was to me that was the interesting. Did they ever uh, mix together a duet or anything? Like they like, haven't like they, the Coles did? Yeah, they never did the creepy posthumous duet. Uh-huh. Or the Hank Williamses did. Right. Right. Tear in my beer. But they, Natalie Cole and Nat King Cole. That was good. They it was well right, done. Right. I think, I think that won a Grammy, didn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so you know, the Hank Williams, the the Hank and Hank uh was good. Too. I mean, you know, if you do it right technologically, yeah, it's a little creepy, but I also give the allowance, especially when it's the child, you know, you give them the allowance of, okay, they they weren't able to sing and record with their parents, so why not 
you know, why not Why not try this and see? Going back to Beck for a second, a texter says uh, Beck played on Ozzy's last record, yeah. and the music was awesome, they oh, yeah. said. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, he was in, you know, if you hit YouTube and see any of the clips from the tour with Johnny Depp. I mean, he's he's still playing as great as he ever did. Can we move on to happier news now? Well, we should we should make one more okay. note only because this poor guy is going to get eclipsed by the others. But Robbie Bachman, uh, excuse me, Robbie Bachman, a drummer, co-founder of Bachman Turner Overdrive, co-writer of uh, Roll On Down the Highway, he passed away yesterday too at the age of sixty-nine. They're talking about it in Canada for sure this morning. Oh, very much. And, you know, Randy made a nice tweet saying, you know, that he's up there, you know, with uh, their mom, dad, and other brother. And and, and Randy, Randy writes, maybe Jeff Beck needs a drummer. It is an, uh, a rock and roll tradition for brothers in bands to not get along. How did they do? They did okay. They had their ins and their outs. But, but you know, as only Canadians can do. <laughs> I don't know you, what that means. You weren't, you're well Canadian, nice. Politeness. Okay, oh. you know you're not gonna so you're not gonna mistake these guys for the Gallagher's or the Davies. <laughs> but, but they had they had their ins and outs, and yeah. so did the you know with the other brother Tim, who was part of BTO, as well. You know, but you never saw them slamming each other hard. You know, or really taking each other out. They, I'll, I'll say this for Bachman Turner Overdrive: they didn't bore you with a love song anywhere along the way. No, they didn't. They not just, uh, not they, once. They had their they had their four chords and they played them well. <laughs> and I say bad. that I say that as a compliment. I, I mean that we, with respect too. They didn't uh, they didn't give into you know what the band you know what this record needs is a ballad, Randy. Right. No, Randy right. was not they, a ballad guy. They did the jazzy stuff, like looking out for number one or blue collar. That, that, it was more kind of a jazzy thing. You know what they, their love song was? Taking uh, care of business, baby. Well, That's was, it. Get up in the morning from the alarm clock's warning, take the 815 into the city. And who doesn't turn that up when it comes on, even if they, even if they don't admit it? Is that one of those guitar riffs like Smoke on the Water that everybody who plays guitar says anybody can play that, Smoke on the there. Water? It's up it's there. It's just so simple. It's it's one of the ones. Yeah, you know, it's so simple, and yet, you know, Randy Bachman has a way of playing it that you can't. You know the way, and it's all in the way he, the way he holds his pick, the way mm-hmm. he strikes the strings, what he does with his left hand on the neck. It's unique to him. So you know, just like Smoke on the Water or any of these other songs, you there's a way that the guy who first played it does it that you'll never be able to replicate. All right. You'll get close. Now on to happier news? Sure. After 50 years, John Fogarty finally has wrestled back his music. This is funny. This is So this is the polar opposite of the story we report about so much of artists selling their copyrights. Dr. Dre he, today came Dr. out. Dr. Dre is the latest, yeah. John Fogarty bought his. Um, and this has been, like you say, this has been 50 years in the making. He, Creedence, Clearwater Revival, signed a bad deal with Fantasy Records that gave the label ownership um, to the, you know, to the copyrights and to the master recordings. Okay, and, I have to go back to the Eagles in their documentary, and they said we were idiots when we signed that first deal. Yeah. Don Henley says that. Is this another case of the record company taking taking advantage of these guys? Oh, absolutely. And this was, you know, and this was, what, six, seven years before the Eagles, when this was actually 
the norm, and it was really the norm, you know, well into the 80s, where the record company would own the copyrights and own the master recordings, and these young artists who were just desperate to get a recording contract would sign almost anything, you know, to to get a recording contract. So Credence was one of them. And then, you know, Fogarty actually had to completely, I mean, he had to completely, you know, walk away from anything related to fantasy records both legally and for his sanity, but he's always bemoaned that fact that he felt cheated out of his songs. So now uh, Fantasy Records was purchased by Concord Records, which, to their credit, one of their first orders of business was making doing right by John Fogarty. And they signed him to his own recording deal. They upped his royalty rate, and all with the understanding that one day his recordings, his trademarks would be, his copyrights would be returned to him. And what happened in this case was they, I think it was coming up in a couple of years, the date that he would get them back. But Fogarty just stepped up and said, you know what? I want to buy them right now. Here's, here's money. I want my songs. I want to own them now. Cause he's not getting any younger either. Do we know what the price was that he no, paid to get them back? Nope. They're keeping that quiet. Cause I read articles with him where he said, he went through all these different one. At one point, he he said, "Well, screw it. Then I'm not going to sing those songs." Right. You know, right. and then and then he came to realization. Well, the people want to hear me sing those songs. And then maybe 20 years ago, I think he said he kind of came to peace with the whole thing. Like, look, these are our songs. I'll sing them. If I don't own them, I don't own them. And now he's got them back. So. Another right. set of brothers that didn't get along too. Absolutely. Tom, Tom Fogarty. Yeah. Was- Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, well, you know, Tom was the older brother who was eclipsed by his younger brother. And, you know, and Tom walked, Tom walked away from Greedence. You know, yeah. he just, he just, and, you know, he did that all right. It's funny. I, again, another story I, I published uh, for this week. This was the 40th anniversary of Credence's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where, you know, Fogarty completely gave the middle finger. To the other guys in the band, and to and to his nephew, who yeah. was, you know, and he he went up and he played a, a set of Creedence songs with other people. Yeah, you know, Bruce Springsteen, Robbie Robertson, Ben Montage from from the Heartbreakers, and you know, and nobody the guy the other guys, Stu Cook and Doug Clifford, really got hosed on that deal um, because they were never they didn't find out what was going on until the day of the show the day of the ceremony. And that was 40 years now. That was 40 years now, yeah. Sorry, 30, 93. All right. That's 30, that's 30 right? I could, I could stay mad yeah. for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could do that. Oh, yeah, they still, you know, there's there's a little bit of detente, um, and, you know, so they were able to put out this live at the Royal Albert Hall um, film and CD that came, album that came out last fall, but... You know, in terms of being friends or playing together again, you know, you're not going to see that. So is uh, you 2 taking a page from uh, Taylor Swift? Are they re-recording their their songs? A little bit. I mean, this is kind of an art. This is an artsy thing. So come uh, March 14th, they're going to put out a a um, collection called Songs of Surrender. Uh, this is based on. This is kind of a follow up to Bono, the frontman's. Book of the same name. Uh, book of the same name. His book was called Surrender, and he used forty songs from the band's history to tell his own story. So now they've recorded new versions of those forty songs. There's a new rendition of Pride in the Name of Love, 
uh, just out, and I guess each of the each of the four band members picked ten songs, um, and then kind of led the way in redoing them. So these these will be different. Um, you know, I yeah, I know why they're doing it. You know, I understand the the hook of it all. It, it feels like a placeholder, especially when Bon has been out there saying, "Oh, we've got two albums in the can." Okay, you know, can't we have some new YouTube music then? Uh, but this will be an inter- this will be an interesting exercise. It'll be interesting to see what they do with them. You'll certain you certainly know and love a lot of these songs, so you'll get a new treatment of it. How'd you like to uh, send a letter in the UK and put your Iron Maiden uh, stamp on it? I would, I would love that. I wish you know. I, I'm, I'm trying to get a, uh, trying to get a, a, yeah. a set, you know, by mail order. So yeah, they're the latest uh, music group in the UK to be honored uh, with the with a set of stamps from by the Royal Mail. I thought that they're was on- one of those things that was reserved for the Queen or the King. Uh, they, well, they, so, much like the USPS. The Britain's Royal Mail started to realize we could make a lot of money putting putting these kind of people on stamps. So they did the Beatles in '07 and Pink Floyd in '16 and Queen in 2020 and the Rolling Stones last year. Now there's going to be a set of Iron Maiden stamps. I think there's eight stamps. Um, it's going to include pictures of the band in concert, pictures of Eddie, the mascot, and that'll be limited edition and out for a limited time, but. You know, I think it's great, you know, and I hope we see Judas Priest and Deep Purple. Sure, and, yeah, you, know, you could make up a list for him. couldn't Oh, in Britain, you know, why not Wham? I yeah. Mean, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a moneymaker, and it looks like they're do, they're going to do it, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe every couple years they'll have somebody new out. I know one person on the planet who is a huge Slayer fan. Um, Just one? Well, you know me. Well, okay, so I know two. But this okay. guy that I know loves Slayer so much, he named his dog Slayer. That's cool. <laughs> I hope it's not like a poodle or something. <laughs> it's not a big, aggressive dog. Actually, it would be funny if it yeah. was a poodle. Uh, but Slayer says, yeah, maybe we decided to call it quits too early. Uh, the guitarist does, Gary King. Um, you know, they, they did a farewell tour during 2018, 2019. And that was going to be it. Never gave a reason for why or anything. So Kerry King was on a was on a podcast this week, and he he did say he he was angry during the tour. He's been angry since the tour that it was premature for Slayer to to stop. He said he looks at all his childhood heroes. They're out there still playing. I want to play. Okay, so play, are but... they set up uh, in some money way where? He can't go on being Slayer and hire some other guys, you know, because right. Foreigner's yeah. done it. Everybody's yeah. done it. Molly Hatchett, people, Leonard yeah. Skinner. I think. I think he. I. I. It, it would be between he and the bass player, and it re- really was the bass bass player's health issues. I think okay. that forced the issue. So I'm. I don't know what their ownership agreement is. I, I do think a lot of fans would look askance. If he if he tried to do so, uh, Slayer just as him, but no. he had he has enough of his own name. Hey, I saw Head East with he, only he, the organ he, player. Oh yeah, he wouldn't well, be the first guy years, to do that. For how many years? Was, for how many years was Guess Who the Guess Who out with the right. drummer? Right. Yeah. So you know, so no, it can be. It's not that it can't be done, and it's not that people wouldn't go out to see it. But Kerry King has enough of a name on his own that every single Slayer fan 
knows who Kerry King is and would would support whatever kind of music he did. You know what? I have more respect for the Beatles after doing this, having this conversation than ever, because not one of them ever said, well, I'm going to go out as the yeah. Beatles then. Or Led Zeppelin. Yeah. You know? Right. They, they, they never did that. Right. We're either all in or we're all out. One yeah, of the which, two. Is, which is the way to be. So, you know, I think, like I said, I think Kerry King, who says he's working on a solo album, can go out as Kerry King and do very well. All right. That in my uh besides the uh Lisa Marie Presley story, there's more Elvis news. His jet sold. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so he's he had a number of planes over the years. And uh there was one uh, it was a 1962 Lockheed 1329 Jetstar mm-hmm. uh, that, that had been sitting out in the desert somewhere and just, you know, in New Mexico. Is this still uh, have the engines on it? Is that the same yeah, one? Yeah, that it's, look, still, okay, it's so still intact. Because I saw another Elvis. But the paint is blasted off by oh, the yeah. sand. Yeah. It's, oh, is that it, what happened to it? It doesn't look good. No. And well, that's okay. You're going to paint it anyway. It's been sitting in the sun without sunscreen. So, <laughs> right. So, you know, so it sold at auction for $260,000 on his birthday on January 8th. Okay. Um, and so, you know, uh, and Priscilla Presley did write that this, you know, Elvis loved planes, and this was this was one of his favorites. And, you know, it was also uh, her first auction that she attended. Oh, so they still owned it? Yeah. The Presley yep. estate still owned Presley, the jet? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I thought maybe some collector had yeah, bought it. No, no, no. What was no, the no. What was the shape of the inside like? Was it still all shag everything? And I think so. Yeah, I don't think they changed. I don't think they've changed it much. Oh, so, all right. Boy. So let's just say you bought this jet, Gary. You have the means to buy the jet, and you're gonna you're gonna restore it. Do you leave the interior, the Elvis interior, or do you go? Yeah, we're gonna get this and update it. You can't I, leave it. It's not Elvis's plane if it doesn't have the Elvis interior. <laughs> I mean, really. It's I'm, like, I'm okay, a big fan of keeping it original. Otherwise, you otherwise you ha- it would be like, you know, if you had a, if you bought a, a musical instrument, let's say, that was owned by Jeff Beck, and there was blood on it, you know, from one time when he played so hard he cut his hand. That would be like wiping the blood away, then it's not Jeff Beck's guitar anymore. So yeah, if, you take, if you take the kitschy stuff out of the plane, it's not Elvis's plane anymore. Your argument, Brian? There's no point in that. There's no point in restoring it to... Uh... Like uh, well, passenger you, friendly condition, you gotta. You can replace the shag carpeting, but you you can't change. Exactly, you have to keep it original, inside. right? Yeah, you have to keep it original. Yeah, I, that's yeah. what I think. I mean, you know, Sam. Black What's the point of buying Elvis's jet then if you're just gonna make it a? And you gotta, you just know, make it another jet. Yeah. yeah, dab up that ugly paint job again and make it just yeah. as ugly as it was in its prime. It may have had a great paint job. We, I'd like to see what it looked like originally. Mm. Now you think really they mm. mucked that up too? Look stupid. All right, Gary, we're out of time. All right. Well, listen, you guys have a good weekend. All right, you too. And we'll talk uh, next week. All right. All right. Gary Graff, our music expert.